You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Good afternoon, everyone. It is now 5 o'clock here at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario, coming at you from the basement of Carruthers Hall in beautiful Queen's University campus. And I have the great pleasure to welcome once again, Trisha Baldwin of the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts in studio with me today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited that you're back. This is not the first time you've been on Campus Beat with me. And boy, oh boy, I I think I just need to seize you every week. We could have our own show together. Sounds great. (laughs) Uh, But we have a lot to talk about. Really exciting stuff that's happening here at Queen's University and at the Isabel uh, right now. Uh, The Human Rights Arts Festival. And Trisha's going to talk to us about the Human Rights Arts Festival with us today. So thank you very much. Uh, Before we dive into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at the Isabel? Sure. I joined the Isabel back in 2014, and I'm the director of the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts and have lots of responsibilities in education and arts presentation and facility management. And uh, it's an exciting place to be because we actually opened in 2014 we have this most amazing team at the Isabel that built the Isabel from the ground up. And um, I I find it a very exciting opportunity to go into work every day. It it must be a very difficult question to answer, but what do you love most about your job? I love programming the most. Okay, like doing what? Putting the programs together. And um, we have so many different disciplines from classical to jazz to uh, human rights arts festivals. But to be able to talk with such wonderful people and wonderful artists um, in Kingston, um, across the country and around the world, it's a very, very stimulating um, activity to be able to meet with all these creative minds and develop a journey that the Isabel and its audience can go upon. Oh, amazing. So speaking of programming, uh, we have the Human Rights Arts Festival happening, taking place right now, and I believe right up through April. So can you tell us about the Human Rights Arts Festival at the Isabel and what ultimately inspired it? We had a really great start um, with that. Uh, initially, I was talking with the Toronto International Film Festival, and with the Toronto International Film Festival, they had the Human Rights Film Festival with Human Rights Watch, and we collaborated with them in um, 2015-16. And I thought, well, why don't we put a multidisciplinary Human Rights Arts Festival here? Because at Queen's University, we have so many people interested in so many areas of concern in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think the arts it's important for the arts to get off um its own island to say we all we do is performances or film or or art to actually say how do the arts actually integrate with society and what is the role of the artist as change maker in society because what can happen is that the artist can actually reflect the world back to society and if you look even if the, the Guernica um, by Picasso he paints the horror of war and sometimes we can glorify war but that artist is actually saying here's what war is all about we have a number of performances in various mediums as well attended to this human rights arts festival 
before we talk about each of the performances themselves, I'm wondering what the process in fact, looks like behind uh, the curation and programming. How are performances uh, commissioned or submitted and ultimately selected? Well, curation is a really interesting process because it's it's not linear. It's quite organic, and you, you have a lot of conversations with different people. And I remember I was talking with the Art of Time and telling them about our Human Rights Arts Festival, and the artistic director said, well, I'm thinking about just the history of protest music. And so he started thinking, and then this... Um, Basically, um, in this past week, we, we presented his work. and But it started off with a conversation and things started to grow. And another time, a professor talked to me about um, migration and mm-hmm. um, human trafficking. And that's going to be in next year's Human Rights Arts Festival. But it starts with conversation. And what you want in an arts center is the culture of conversation. Okay. And um, with... Um, what within Queens, we've just got a fabulous resource and Dr. Dylan Robinson, who's the Canada Research Chair of Indigenous Arts, and he's got the most tremendous ability of identifying top Indigenous talent, and he's a fabulous curator. So we had initial conversations for the very first Indigenous Arts Festival, and he said, Jeremy Dutcher, we should bring Jeremy Dutcher in. I remember this, yes. And he came in and he, um, Jeremy had found this old wax cylinder of his ancestors singing and he developed this work with, with the tape reproduced and then his powerful 21st century voice coming through. And I remember talking to the tech director at the time and we said, is this the best thing that we've ever had here ever? And we went up to him and said, what can we do to help you? He said, well, I'd love to record it here. We said, of course. So we recorded it at the Isabel and then it ended up winning. He he won the um, Polaris Prize and the Juno Award and he said, Canada, we are in the midst of an Indigenous renaissance and it is very powerful work that is being created right now, very creative work and it's a breath of fresh air in the arts to have this creativity and to have this first voice telling their own stories Hmm. okay so it it's very organic and it usually starts with conversations and talking with um the department of film and media with um dorit Naiman and susan lord about films and they started to come up um, with ideas and they've been programming um, films as part of the isabel human rights arts festival and and so all these creative minds who really have a, um, a lot of concern about what's happening in the world and whose voice is not being heard and bringing those voices forward through the arts. Because I think the arts are great storytellers, but I do think that, you know, we hear a lot in the media and we can kind of close our, our brains down because it's stressful to you know, hear what's happening in the world all the time but what the arts do is actually enable you to take a personal perspective so I remember there's um, one piece we did where a little girl was walking up to the residential school system or her residential school for the first time and all of a sudden we were that little girl walking up (laughs) and then I think all of a sudden you understand how horrifying it would be to be torn away from your family and to be put in that environment that that that's actually what brings empathy if you have that kind of understanding mm-hmm. 
Okay. So can we hear a little bit about uh, each of the performances themselves? I know a couple have already happened. The festival began in January? In January. Oh, we got off with a great start. Um, there's this wonderful Indigenous um, filmmaker, Alanis uh, Bomsawin, and uh, she did Jor Jordan River Anderson, um, The Messenger. And she was a very patient documentary maker. And this little boy who had high health needs and um, he was Indigenous and because he was Indigenous the federal government and the provincial government did not want to actually partake in the funding of the the care and the family care of this little boy and if they had not been Indigenous they would have been able to get that funding. So they had to fight for that it didn't happen and then finally the government because it's just completely horrible that a little child doesn't get the same health care by nature of being Indigenous, then it was passed, a law was passed in Parliament uh, that, um, based on the Jordan's principle that basically said all Indigenous people have equal access to health care and education. It took 10 years and two human rights tribunals to actually have that law applied. Mm -hmm. But the filmmaker actually tracked it over the 10 years and even the human rights tribunal hearings to to actually show the kind of strength and courage and uh, I don't know the tenacity to make sure that what was right actually happened but you could see that and in the audience when we were watching the film it was unbelievable that that fight was so hard and the strength that would have taken to keep on going with something that's so common sense and just basic human rights mm -hmm. and so when you see that um, through film, it's real evidence that we are not at the place that we like our popular mythology about our country to be at. We've made progress, but in fact, there's still a lot of progress to go, and not just for reconciliation, but for the whole concept of conciliation mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, and equal rights to, to very basic basic rights, such as health care, education, and clean water. And so it it actually makes... Um, the society a lot more aware and uh, reflected back at ourselves and shines light in areas that have been kept in the dark and been taken out of our textbooks but also been um, left out of our newspapers uh, as an area of concern and if we are you know as we go through the 21st century we've got a lot of challenges we need to be educated about the issues that are happening in the world but also um, empathetic to what is actually happening rather than what we want to believe has happened okay and so the the artist gives that microphone to somebody who wouldn't have a microphone in um, the general media. Okay, so if we select a couple of the performances, uh, maybe some that have happened and some that are uh, upcoming, what might these performances, uh, well, what can people expect from these performances, and ultimately what messages are being conveyed? Well, one of the great things about the arts is not, we're uh, on, um, on, line a lot and so we have a lot of isolated activity mm -hmm. as human beings right now there are not many communal activities that we have and so the performing arts um actually 
allow people to have a communal experience with something. And so when you go to a play or a multimedia event and you experience something you start thinking, but you have a bunch of people to talk to. And um, after the films, the, um, our film department has a talkback session. And so that, that everybody gets to talk and reflect rather than just to then consume art or consume an issue, mm-hmm. that you have the chance to reflect and talk about it. And I think the other thing that it does is that Everybody in the audience is different. Everybody has a different perspective. But right now, through algorithms, we're fed our own point of view. Okay. And sometimes when you go to an arts performance, such as some of the um, works that we're presenting, you may not agree with everything, but you actually understand where somebody else is coming from. And so it is a mechanism to hear a a point of view that may not be your own, but to understand it. (laughs) Again, empathy. Empathy and understanding and um, not vilifying somebody who doesn't believe exactly what you believe and um, and who has had a different life experience and has gone down a different path that has earned the right to talk about an issue in a specific way. And so that's, I think, what ends up happening is that if we can actually develop a sense of public discourse about the areas of agreement and disagreement and and what kind of country that, that we want to live in and our ideals of um, equity and inclusion, but in a very real way, then we have to make sure that we have the mechanism to learn and understand um, the, those issues and and um, understand experiences that have not been our own personal experiences. Mm-hmm. So that's the overall issue. If I was talking artistically, when you have socially engaged art and, um, or I guess, social justice and the arts and it's a giant Venn diagram and they come together, artists are so creative. It just is like this burst of creativity and what ends up happening, artists start to work with different kinds of disciplines and they expand their whole palette. And so for the audience, it's a completely different kind of journey because it's actually inspired a lot of creativity. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, you know, there's lots of sources of creativity. It could be beauty, it could be sorrow, but sometimes that fire in the belly of wanting to change the world, that really does um, try, um, I, I guess it inspires an excellence of a whole different kind. And so I think if, if we can help artists develop their craft in a, a, a myriad of ways, then we've done our job in terms of being an incubator of new art. Amazing. So in a word then, we, and we've spent some time uh, talking about how art has particular power to convey messages. And in in this case, with the Human Rights Arts Festival, we're talking about human rights issues, for example. Equal rights would be one, and mm-hmm. um, indigenous rights, and um, women's rights, uh, we and um, the right to, to health care. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for example, with the, with the last point, the right to health care, what kind of art form is being used to talk about or communicate the issues related to rights to health care? I think the art form is all the medium of or sorry, the, medium, that, yes. <laughs> that the thinker 
and the idea and and meshed with a lot of creativity so we have somebody who's coming in and, and doing hip-hop dancing that actually came out of of, of a movement of legitimizing a, um, a way of thinking and an experience mm-hmm. and so that that dance really suited that and so that that um dance has actually done a lot of has um shown its head in a whole bunch of different areas but um dance is a very basic human activity and to be able um to express the human yearnings and ideals and pain it um dance does it so beautifully and what's such variety mm-hmm. of expression <laughs> okay so if i just have a look here on the isabel website queensu.ca forward slash the isabel <laughs> uh, we do have a number of uh, upcoming shows that are happening. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the artists or uh, groups that have put together some of these performances. Sure. I understand, for example, Firebirds in Motion includes a Queen student. Yes, Holly's going to be doing that with Selena Chirelli. And um, so they are working together. And uh, Selena Chirelli, who again, is also a CFRC volunteer. Yes, <laughs> is a wonderful um, arts leader in Kingston, she has actually, um, in terms of you talked about human rights, and she has really trying uh, to promote um, equal rights for women as artists and really showcasing female artists. She's done a lot of work on that. So I went to her because I knew all of her work on that. And we're talking about something next season as well. So we were talking about something in particular, but I said, I had this idea about the Human Rights Arts Festival. What do you think about that? And she just lit up. She said, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to get back to you. I need to have a conversation. But (laughs) she actually has been so immersed in the whole concept of empowering women Mm -hmm. and how to um, showcase that through the arts that she was the natural person to put that program together. And I said, I want to involve Queen students because every year the Human Rights Arts Festival has had these wonderful Queen students who are championing social justice, putting together exhibits on um, people with invisible disabilities, people with underheard voices. So our our Queen students are fabulously articulate and they've got that fire in the belly to actually try to make the campus an equitable place. Mm -hmm. So we're making sure that they've got their voice at the center of the table. Okay, and for that particular performance, Firebirds in Motion, that's happening March 18th. And it's a free event. It's free. Yeah. Can't even believe that. And it's going to be in the lobby, which is huge. And so that is just going to be absolutely amazing. Wonderful. And so it's a dance performance as well? Yes. Mm -hmm. Freestyle dance by Local Dance Collective. Oh, my goodness. So this looks pretty exciting. I can't even believe it's free. But there are a number of other great events. Uh, The nearest one to our date here uh, is March 9th, the Mush Hole. What is the mush hole? Well, in, um, Sante Smith was one of the instigators, and Sante Smith is actually now the chancellor of 
a McMaster University. Oh, and after after our principal. Exa- exactly. Okay. In, in fact, Patrick Dean worked with Sante for that to happen. Oh, so it's, so it's uh, there are one and a half degrees of separation in the <laughs> academic world. <isn't> Indeed. <laughs> small world. It's a really small world. And so she is the artistic director of Kahawi Dance. And we initially had tried um, to get Kahawi Dance in um, a few seasons ago and touring schedules um, didn't work out. But I've just kept in touch um, with Sante and she came in um, last year as part of the uh, Kataraque Festival of Indigenous Arts and she um, had come in to to do um, a student powwow um, boot camp but we started talking about other projects I said what do you have on the go now so she told me about the mush hole and it's a remarkable program and there's so many collaborators in this and it actually uh, I believe the original program or the performance was actually done in the original um, residential school and it talks about the residential school um, experience including students being called numbers instead of their own names and so she's put that together and it's it's a multidisciplinary work she's a a very creative person she's a master storyteller she's got the fire in the belly and she wants to tell this story and um just the, the number of great creators that she's put together to um, deliver a work of art that's at that level is quite incredible and it's you know nobody works alone in the arts the arts are a great team sport <laughs> yes and they ought to be <laughs> they ought to be but I talked about Dylan Robinson he just has this wonderful network of fabulous artists that he has been working with the same is with um Sante Smith and uh, I think with an artistic director the ability to identify top talent and top collaborators is really important mm-hmm. and that's she's got that gift so I I think that's going to be one of the highlights of the festival I'm really looking forward to it and she's an original artist and again to have that breath of fresh air you know for a while we were just going with western based art but we want to make sure that on campus that everybody's reflected on stage in Canada that people see themselves reflected on stage but the the amount of creativity that is coming out of such diverse communities is really inspiring and it's putting Canada on the map because mm-hmm. there's just tremendous talent and I do believe that Jeremy Dutcher is right that this is an indigenous renaissance and I think Louis Riel was um, quoted at one point as saying, my people will sleep for 100 years, but it's the voice of the artists who will wake, awake their souls. And it, it's happening. Mm-hmm. These are leading artists right now and at their creative peak. And how exciting to have them here. So overall, we've talked quite a lot about uh, ideas and conversations emergent from performance through the Human Rights Arts Festival at the Isabel. What goals does the Isabel want to achieve through this festival? Well, we often hear of um, equity and inclusion, and a lot of papers get written on that, and people say that's their ideal, but I, I think we have to handle these areas with great integrity and with action. Okay. They shouldn't be just nouns, they should be verbs <laughs> in terms of 
action. And so that we, we actually have to take part in that. And through my role in the arts, that's what we do with the Human Rights Arts Festival and the Indigenous Festival, that, that we are making sure that everybody's included with the, the final work on the festival, um, small things with the wonderful Heart Center run by the extraordinary uh, Catherine Porter. It's just um, they've put together a group of um they call them hardest H apostrophe artists mm-hmm, nice. <laughs> um, of many different abilities that are, are going to be doing three performances of the small things. And it's a wonderful thing to see people together with various um, um, physical or mental abilities or disabilities or challenges together, creating something together that is so beautiful and so positive and is a work that's a collective work. And the last time that they were on the Human Rights Festival two years ago, there wasn't a dry eye in the house and it wasn't feigned, it wasn't sympathy. It was actually real respect for the abilities of everybody on stage and the goodwill of everybody on stage. And that's kind of what's making the world go around. And I think one of the great things that a human rights arts festival does is it actually draws on the goodwill of people to actually pull something off. We always start, you know, not enough time, not enough uh, money, but because we, we kind of broaden the circle with so many people who care so much, great things end up happening. Mm -hmm. And I I look at the ongoing great work that the Heart Center is doing. They basically said the art has a great role to play in our community. And so we you should showcase this at the Isabel. And so they've done that and they'll come back again. I know they will because they really have done such great work and have opened our eyes and ears to the abilities of people rather than just looking at the disabilities of people. Okay, thank you for that. So what do you hope audiences will experience or gain from their experience of attending one of these or or more than one of these performances? Well, I hope artistically that um, they they are inspired by the creativity of the artist because we've had some really fabulous artists come in. So I think they creatively to be inspired, but also just to get conversation going. I was at a wonderful dinner on Friday night and we just got talking about every subject under the sun, but it was so enriched with the arts. And I think because we'd all experienced a, a bunch of performances together, we we had that ability to share a common experience rather than going solo just on our iPhone. <laughs> and so if we if we can create a communal experience for for dialogue, I think we will have done our job. Amazing. All right, so some logistical questions. How long is the festival running for? Where can people get tickets or more information about the performances? Sure, you can check out our website. That's um, queensu.ca slash the Isabel or phone us on 1230 to 430 at 613-533-2424. And we have performances of the festival going into April. Amazing. Well, thank you very much. Do you have do you have anything else you want to add or a message you'd like to send to our listeners? Be an adventurer. 
try something that's a bit out of your comfort zone and really try to discover something new. Be, be your own explorer in the arts and, and really um, try to learn something new about the arts. <laughs> oh, gee whiz, you're just so inspiring. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. I've, I've had the great pleasure of welcoming back to our studios Trisha Baldwin of the Isabel Bader Centre for the Performing Arts here to talk about the Human Rights Arts Festival. And again, visit queensu.ca slash theisabel for more information and how to get tickets to some of these uh, performances, including the free event <laughs> that's happening too. All right, so while I have you in the studio, the last time you were here, Tricia, you selected a Jeremy Dutcher song. Would you like to select another one for our outro today? Well, let's go with Jeremy Dutcher again in the honor song. It's so beautifully, beautifully sung and a very, very beautiful work. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming back to CFRC and talking to us today. I really do appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much. for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.